Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Joining me now, right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, is author Emily Acevedo. She's got a new book out. It's called Charlie, Cara, and the New Puppy. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. This is a new children's book you have out right now, Charlie, Cara, and the New Puppy. Can you tell me all about it? Yes. As she just mentioned, the name of the book is Charlie, Cara, and the New Puppy. Charlie and Cara find out that their mom is getting a cute and cuddly puppy. Cara is happy with the news, but Charlie feels that he's not wanted anymore, and he runs away. Cara, who feels it's her fault, and tells her mom that Charlie is upset about the new puppy. How did the idea for this book come about? Particularly, I always wanted to write, have a book series about my pet. And it all started with, with the pet that I had, but with one thing or the other, I didn't have it. I didn't actually get to do it. So um, then the idea for, uh, for this book came around because many times children are happy when they find out that they're getting a new brother or a new sister. But sometimes there are children who might not be happy that they're getting a new playmate and they get, they get, the, they get the feeling that they're not wanted or loved. And I felt that I needed and wanted to write a book that explains that getting a new addition to the family isn't that bad. What a wonderful message. Is this the first time you've done anything like this? Have you written or published before? Yes. It's a book series. And the first book in the series was called Charlie, Cara, and the First Day of Puppy Kindergarten. Hmm. So you said this is a series. So have you planned more or published more? Yes. The current one is the second book in the series, and I'm working on the third book, and it's called Charlie, Cara, and the Farm Trip Mystery. Hmm. And when it comes to Charlie, Cara, and the new puppy, how long were you working on it? This book had already been written. I wrote it in 2016, and then unfortunately, I lost Charlie. The main character, Charlie, was set after the dog that I had. His name was also Charlie, and when he passed away, I shut down. Mm. And I didn't want to continue with the book series because he no longer was around. So, mm. But then a few years later, I had decided that I had that there were other messages and stories that I wanted to tell. So I pulled out the manuscript. So it took about maybe a year, a year to two years. Mm. We have a lot of aspiring authors out there listening right now. Could you give them any words of advice? Worst of advice is if there's something that you really want to get out there and get your message across, just do it. Just continue writing and writing. And the, how I usually do is I usually have a notebook next to me. I write all my ideas down and whatever I feel a passion for. That's the idea that I start out with. Now, after you've spent all this time and effort working on your book, what's it feel like and what's going through your mind whenever you get that first copy in your hands? I feel really, really excited. 
I feel proud that something that I have worked for for so long exact is um, is actually coming out and it and most likely my message uh, that's written through the eyes of children will be someone going through the same ex- experience will read it hmm. and they realize that it isn't whatever they're going through that there, there are ways that they can resolve the issue hmm. well, I encourage our listeners to check this book out it's called Charlie Cara and the new puppy it's written by Emily Acevedo and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Emily, thanks again for coming on the show here. I had a nice time learning about the book series and very nice time chatting with you. Thank you so much. Same here. I'm sitting down right now with author Colin Plummer here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Colin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Glad to hear from you. You've got a new book out right now. It's called Know My Brother, I Am My Brother. Uh, What's this book all about? Basically, it's about testimonies of myself, me looking at that George, I mean, that Floyd that was choked on the ground for 10 minutes, really inspired me to write the book because here I am, a black man that has two patents with Johnson & Johnson from the 80s. And both of those patents are life-saving devices that helps you breathe. One of them is if you have a heart attack, you have to be rushed to the hospital. Then you have to be hooked up to a membrane, oxygenated membrane, in which I have a patent with. Johnson & Johnson had to take my laboratory notebooks to the patent attorney in New Brunswick. So that's how big it was, let alone, I think that was very important because when I saw him choked on the ground, I said to myself, I couldn't even watch it for 10 minutes. I says, no, my brother, because I am my brother. Because here I feel that due to all this racism in this country or in the world, I think that you need God in your life. Absolutely. And so I felt that God is the only one that would take me to where as I need to be. So I think I had an answer because um, I had a really serious track career. Hmm. And then all of a sudden it ended behind the fact that in high school, due to the fact there was no reason of my own, I had started varsity football track. I had 10 varsity letters in high school, and then all of a sudden, I had no scholarships, whereas my brother had the scholarships. So, no, my brother has a lot of meaning to it behind the fact that my brother and me was part of the same relay team, and therefore, I was kicked off the relay team. Now, I lost all these scholarships. My brother went to Nebraska University, and therefore, knowing the fact that I needed God in my life in order to make the right decision after that, and there, that's when I actually was hired by Johnson & Johnson. And so that was life-changing because I helped develop two life-saving products. Hmm. How long were you working on this? How long did it take you to write and put through the publishing process? Well, believe it or not, I started writing this book back in the 80s whenever we developed that life-saving products Hmm. behind the fact that it was very, I think, very big at that time because they had to take my laboratory notebooks to the patent attorney in New Brunswick because I worked in a research and development company to where they developed life-saving products kidney dialysis. And I worked in research and development, long range and short term. So when they took my laboratory notebooks to the patent attorney, we built a $3 million poly plant, which I was in charge of. I did everything because I made sure that, you know, I was going to be important in this since I developed the first prototype of our patent. 
So therefore, that pilot plant would be actually a $100 million pilot plant right now if we were to develop it right now. So I know that was very big. And just looking at all of these plasma banks all over the world, I think I had something to do with that hmm. behind the fact that Johnson & Johnson consists of 40% of all the pharmaceuticals across the world. So if you look at all those life-saving products since the 80s, you're talking about thousands and thousands of lives being saved each day that I probably had something to do with. And nobody knows. It's just like open-heart surgery. There was a black man involved with that or helped discover the first open-heart surgery. Nobody would know that I helped develop all these life-saving products that has something to do with what's helping out people right now. And so me seeing that black man being choked on the ground really made me inspired to write this book. So it really, it took me about 40 years to write this book. Wow. <laughs> Have you ever done this kind of thing before? Have you written or published? No. No, this is just new. I think the Lord told me to write it because he says, you better take a stand for yourself hmm. because here you are, nobody knows, and here you are being very effective and being very helpful in life and making a difference, and nobody knows. Hmm. The name of the book is No, My Brother, I Am My Brother. Written by Colin Plummer, it's published by Fulton Books. You can buy this everywhere that you shop for books at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Colin, thank you again for joining me here at the show. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you. Not just another F-word book. It's a book by Mildred Rivera. It's in stores right now, and I'm very happy to be talking with Mildred here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Mildred, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I love the title of this book. It caught my attention right away, I think for obvious reasons, not just another F-word book. So what's this one all about? Well, I chose the title to exactly what you just said, to catch a person's eye, but it's definitely not what you think. Hmm. Not just another F-word book talks about negative words that can hold you from moving forward in life. And the word that I chose was the word fat in particular. Mm. That was said to me quite a few times growing up, although I was on the muscular end. And when I look back at my pictures, I wasn't heavy at all. <laughs> wow. So it stopped me from taking on some challenges, but uh, I, I didn't let it stop me. Was there anything in particular that at this point in time inspired you to write your story and to get this message out there? Yes. I have an aunt that published her book. And I said to myself, wait a minute, I'm at home writing my own stories. Why aren't I doing this? Mm. And then I take a look at my own two teenage boys, well, young adults now. And I said, well, wouldn't it be nice to be an inspiration to them? And maybe someday that they would want to start their own business. And they'll look back and say, wait a minute, mom did this. My mother's an author. I can do this too. It's so wonderful. You want to be an inspiration. You want to help people and, and get this wonderful message out there. How, how long were you working on this? Um, a few months, but I do have other stories, fiction, nonfiction. This particular book was my foot out into the door or out into the world, per se. Wow. What kind of an experience was that for you? The first time, you know, going through all the hoops you got to jump through for publishing and getting it out there. How was it? Well, I do have some background in publishing. I used to work for a publishing company back in New Jersey. And so having that background helped me. Although this particular stage was just, you know, signing that contract. And I looked at it and said, do I really want to do this? And I said, I have nothing to fear. Hmm. So what advice would you give? You know, we have a lot of aspiring authors listening out there right now. What words of advice would you give them? Don't listen to any negative words. 
<laughs> they will stop you. Don't ponder on them. Don't stew on them. They get you nowhere. If you feel it, go for it. So this book is very personal to you and a great message, and you worked on it for a long time, put a lot of effort into it. When you got that first copy in your hands, what kinds of things were going through your mind? I was very emotional. I said, I finally did something. I did something that will mean a lot to other people as well. They're going through something in their life that's negative, rather if it's a negative word that's being said to them or just being treated poorly. You know, you can read this and say, you know, here's a woman that took a chance and did something and uh, they have a thought or, or an idea or something that they like to do. Don't let things stop you. If you feel that strongly and passionate about what it is that you want to do in life, do it. I think you hinted before, you know, you've been working on writing other things. So do you have more ideas, more plans to publish in the future? Yes, I do. I actually finished my second book. Hmm. It's about five chapters long. I won't tell you exactly what it is, but <laughs> yeah, I put a little bit of piece of me in there. Something kind of made up. was very, very involved in it. Took me about seven months to write, and now I'm actually working on the cover. Designing the cover is something fairly new that I like to dabble in, so I'm very excited in pursuing this, even with you know with Fulton Books. Hmm. Mildred, when you sit down to write, is it something that just always happens really easily and flows out of you easily, or do you get writer's block sometimes? No, there's definitely blockages there. Mm. <laughs> Once I get that pencil in my hand, I like to take a notebook and actually write. For me, it's a different feel as opposed to maybe typing it on a computer. You kind of feel your way through the words. There's more thought involved in it. And when you hit those little snags, they can hit you pretty hard. Mm. How do you get yourself back on something? If you're feeling discouraged about something, you don't have the words to describe what you want to write. How do you get yourself re-motivated and, and back into writing? I think of the words, if I don't try, if I don't think of something else, then it'll never get done, right? So I just keep on, stay positive, listen to some inspiration music, look at my children for crying out loud. Sometimes they'll, they'll do something to kind of give me a little spark. Like, oh, yes, <laughs> I, I got another idea. <laughs> the book is called Not Just Another F-Word Book. It's written by Mildred Rivera, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your reading material, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Mildred, thank you again for speaking with me here today. I had a great time learning about your book and the wonderful message and just a really nice time chatting tonight. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Cousins, The Early Years of Jesus and John the Baptist is the new book that's in stores right now by Archibald Asbury Jr. I'm really happy that Archibald is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome to the show, Archibald. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Could you tell me all about your book, Cousins? Yeah, my book, Cousins. It's, a, it's about uh, the uh, early years of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. You know, it starts out with John uh, the Baptist being imprisoned by Herod Antipas. And then uh, while John's in prison, he's kind of reminiscing of his childhood. You know, his parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth, and also the parents of Jesus, Joseph and Mary. So he, he kind of reminisces this, and it tells a story of their marriage, Zacharias and Elizabeth's marriage, Joseph and Mary's childhood, and how they met. And then it goes to their birth, how they came into the world. And, it, and then it kind of goes out how John and uh, Jesus hung out together as children. 
and um, and I kind of reminisce on uh, the things that Jesus saw when he was young, you know, that happened in his life, like they became the parables that he used in his later ministry. Hmm. So it's just pretty much about uh, their their childhood together, and, and then it, it goes all the way up into their ministries. That's a really creative take on this story. What sorts of readers did you have in mind whenever you wrote it? Yeah, well, people that should read this book are, you know, young kids or, you know, not really young, but just maybe teens and uh, all kinds, even uh, even adults should read this, this book. You know, it's about, it's kind of like a prequel to the Gospels, mm. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's kind of a prequel. And when you read my book, you kind of you kind of get curious, I think, of what, what happens next. So, so that will make you want to read the Gospels, you know. So I think it's for, for, the, for the whole family, pretty much. Hmm. Is this the first time you've done something like this? Yeah, this is this was my first book that I wrote. I uh, I wrote it after I retired. Um, I was I worked for the post office for about thirty four years, and I I had this book in mind um, years before, you know. I, and I wanted to write it, but my work kept me so busy. So I said, well, maybe perhaps when I retire, I'll find the time. So I finally retired in twenty eighteen, and I found the time to really sit down and write it because I I was curious about. Uh, you know, the early childhood of Jesus Christ. I just always thought, how, how was he when he was a young kid? And how, how did he interact with his, his earthly father, Joseph? And I just would lay in bed at night and just think about that. And then he started revealing things to me, you know, and then I said, well, I need to write this down. So I started writing it down. Congratulations on getting that very first book out there. What would you say was the most challenging part of writing it and then going through the publishing process? I guess the most challenging part was, you know, just the waiting and the editing, you know, and all that, because you, you're kind of excited about, you know, somebody else reading, you know, your book for the first time. So you're, you're curious, you know, about how the editing's going to go. And so that takes a while. So you're kind of waiting and waiting. And finally, you know, that process gets done. So then, and then there's another process with the, the cover design and the, all that. And actually, I designed my own cover, and I'm glad that they they are using it. That's fantastic. So how did it feel then after all that time and all that hard work when you got that first copy in your hands? What was going through your mind? Wow, it was it was kind of uh, surreal. You know, I was like, wow, this is something I wrote and, and I'm, it's tangible now. I'm holding it in my hands. I got I have it. It's a book. So it was really exciting. And I was I was happy about it. And, and like I said, to see my drawing on the cover was really, you know, uh, uh, icing, you know. That's fantastic. So do you have plans for more, writing more books and maybe publishing? I do have, you know, I have some books in mind, you know, that I would like to write. Yeah, that's something that I am. You know, I have the time now that I'm retired, so, so there, there should be more books in the, in the future, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so, too. The book is called Cousins, The Early Years of Jesus and John the Baptist. It's written by Archibald Asbury Jr., and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your books at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Archibald, thank you again for joining me here on the show. I had a really nice time learning about Cousins and had a nice time chatting with you as well. Yeah, thank you. It was my pleasure, Corey. Have you ever wondered whether Christmas lights can talk? Well, author Janice Harris Gibbs has fun with this in her new book, The Story of the Christmas Lights. Janice is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. 
Janice, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you, Corey. Now, can you tell me all about the story of the Christmas lights? Oh, this is a fun story that actually has a lot of hidden messages in it, a lot of positive messages. And it starts with a family that comes together in their favorite season of the year, which is Christmas. And they have no idea, but they find out that Christmas lights actually, this particular set of lights, they banter back and forth. They have personalities. They come to life when they're plugged in. Hmm. So we get to follow them in a fun story as they, they have hiccups along the way and they, they learn a lot of messages about teamwork and forgiveness. What sorts of readers did you have in mind when you wrote this? Well, my thought was, uh, of course, I wanted to write a Christian children's book. So my first thought was for children, because I grew up as an avid reader. Hmm. But then as I started writing the story, I realized that there were other messages that I want to get out to the parents that were possibly reading the book with the child. So there's a lot of messages for children, and there's some great messages and reminders, I think, for parents and grandparents as well. Hmm. Was there anything in particular that gave you the idea for this story? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> this is a decades-long dream. I had a vision, a desire, all the way back in third grade that I wanted to write a story about Christmas lights. Hmm. And now, decades later, with I had my own sons, who are both in high school, the book is actually completed. So... It's just something that I had in my heart over the years, and that small, still voice just kind of never left my heart, and I just finally decided I was going to sit down and, and see if I could actually have the book come to life and be published. And you did it. How did it feel when you got that first copy in your hands? <laughs> it, felt, it felt great. It still does. It was amazing to me that I actually had done it because it had taken so long for me to take that leap of faith and step out and have it done. So it felt wonderful. And my family and has just been so supportive and joyful over it that it's just helped me go, wow, I actually, I did it. Mm -hmm. So is this the first time you've written and published? Yes. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Are you planning on maybe some more after this? I am. I actually am penciling a, a, another children's book. Hmm. And then I also have a, a vision for some um, devotional books where parents can read to their children and bring some truth and happiness into families, especially, you know, with the tough times we're going through. I mm. would love to have something in parents' hands to daily remind their children of the truth and the rock that we're formed on. Mm. Now, being your first book, your first time out publishing, I'm, I'm sure you learned a lot. Is there any advice that you could give to the aspiring authors who are listening out there? Oh, you know, don't give up because it can be a difficult process. And to be honest with you, there were, there were a few times that I wanted to give up. I knew exactly how I wanted the illustrations to be, for example, and I had to continue. It took well over a year to take my vision of all my details and give it to the illustrator and lots of revisions to make my vision come on those pages. So I guess my best advice is follow your dream, don't give up, and just hang in there. You can make it happen. Great advice. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called The Story of the Christmas Lights. It's written by Janice Harris-Gibbs and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing.
You can find this everywhere that you shop for your books at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Janice, thank you again for coming on the show here. I had a really fantastic time talking with you. Corey, thank you so much. And everybody listening, be blessed. Journey thousands of years into the future. In the new book by Marcel Boudet titled Shadows in the Boreal, Book One of the Asna Annals. I'm really happy that Marcel is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Marcel, thank you so much for joining me. It's great to be here, Corey. It sounds like a really exciting book, Shadows in the Boreal, Book One of the Asna Annals. What's this all about? Well, I envisioned a, a time over 2,000 years in the future when man is uh, looking to colonize to settle uh, distant planets. And I, I just wanted to ask myself, what would that be like? And, and what sort of things could we run into? So I looked at that and I, and I had some ideas and I started playing with it. And I came up with uh, quite a few books that deal with uh, mankind settling uh, planets some light years away. This book is about one of those planets. It's Vanya. It's an icy planet that is bigger than Earth, and it orbits a, a binary star system with a small yellow star and a red star, which is the main star that this planet orbits. This book is, is focused on the adventures of the people that settle it, and particularly a young woman named Kayla, who is considered a wilder on her planet which are people that live near the icy wilderness. And there's a, a great forest there called the Great Boreal Forest. And that is where Kayla lives, is on the edge of that. And she's an explorer and decides with a team to go explore some of the uh, forest around, even though most of their people live underground in subterranean atmosphere. So they decide to go explore this forest, and they run into a lot of things and a lot of adventures. and. They also discover that they're really not alone on the planet. Big sci-fi element here. Is that something that's been a passion of yours? My passion has always been fantasy, so there's going to be fantastical elements to my writing. You've got sci-fi and then you've got fantasy. They're two different genres mm. altogether, but there's a genre called sci-fantasy, mm. and I think my work falls into that. So there is some of the mysterious there, some elements of fantasy that play along in this. And there's heavy symbolism in the book as well. So I think the readers would enjoy that because there's a lot of little pieces that come together to form the whole on this series. Would you say then that fans of sci-fi and fans of fantasy would be able to enjoy this alike? I think definitely. I think that, that people that love uh, science fiction will get more of a realistic glimpse of what it would be like to live on a planet 2,000 years from now and what humans would be doing and how they would be colonizing. I'm pretty detailed, but I like precision in my work so people get a realistic planet. At the same time, there's fantastical elements that I think would attract the fantasy readers in that, you know, there's a lot of things that we don't understand about our universe, and some of it may seem pretty fantastical to us. And I think by combining the two, I've come up with something that may be interesting to all. Definitely interesting. What's your writing background like? Have you ever done anything like this before? Yeah, this is actually the, the first book in the second series that I wrote. Mm. The uh, first series, I've only published one book in it so far, 
And it's related to this series indirectly. It also is sci-fantasy, although the first book is what you would consider high fantasy. Most people would consider it, you know, a book with magic and things like that. This one's a little more down to earth, I'd say, this series. But uh, yes, I've, I've written quite a bit. I've written 10 books overall. I'm working through the process of getting them published. Wow. So 10 books in now. Uh, the process should have smoothed out a little bit. Do you still go through writer's block or is that something that, again, has smoothed out over time? That has smoothed out quite a bit. I get writer's block, but it's usually only for about a day. Mm. And oftentimes I will, in order to solve my writer's block, I just write. Mm. And some of it's junk and I'm going to throw it away, but I just keep writing. And I end up with pieces that I can put together and make a pretty good story. I like to focus on storytelling, character development, and thematic elements, because these are the things that capture readers' interest. If your world unfolds to them over the course of the book, I think they'll be pretty interested because they learn a little bit here and a little bit there, and they start piecing things together. Hmm. And at the very end, they're saying, wow, how did he come up with all this stuff? <laughs> And so I, I really enjoy it. The book is called Shadows in the Boreal, book one of the Asna Annals. It's written by Marcel Boudet, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your reading material, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop, too. Well, Marcel, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a wonderful time learning about Shadows in the Boreal. Can't wait to see what comes next, and it's just been a really nice time chatting. Thank you, Corey. Have a good day. Right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm joined with author Douglas L. Mead. Doug, thank you for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Corey. I'm looking forward to it. You've got a new book out. It's called Going Deeper with God, Addressing Challenging Issues in Our Relationship with God. Could you tell us what it's all about? Well, it's something that I've been thinking about for a long time, and the opportunity came to uh, actually put it into a book. This is based on the premise that having a proper and strong relationship with God should be our highest priority. And this book is about strengthening faith and helping people come to terms with what I think are some confusing and controversial topics that are influencing our understanding of our relationship with God. And I've seen that with people I see at my church and in my family and, and basically in the Christian community at large. And I don't think it's that easy to figure out how to have a proper and a deep relationship with God. I, I do think there's a lot of obstacles that are in the way that can come from misguided doctrines from some churches and Christian movements. And in particular, I share concerns many scholarly people have with the Word of Faith movement and Calvinist doctrines. And, and I believe there is a fair amount of discrepancy between what Christians want from God versus what God may actually do. And so this book is a way for me to dig deeper in exploring the nature of the kind of relationship we can have with God and what we can expect with this. Hmm. Did you have certain groups of readers in mind when you wrote it? Well, I'm certainly focused on the Christian community at large. I, I've written, written a good part of this book with searchers in mind, those who hmm. are considering faith, wondering what they you know, if they're going to believe and where they're at with that, with things. And I just believe that many searchers are, are confused by all the different kinds of messaging that is out there in the Christian community. And I wrote this book to provide some clarity for them. And I also see this with seasoned Christian people, especially when I'm teaching classes in our church and 
hearing what some people say that there is some confusion for them also. And it could be helpful to dig a little bit deeper into these issues and things they may think that are true, but need to look at it in a different perspective. And this just provides an opportunity to do that. Mm. Did this take you a long time to write? Actually, I started this when COVID started. It took me about six months, but it's been something I've been thinking about and writing about in different ways and position papers and writing my thoughts out, to, which I've shared with people and talked about. And But when you're writing a book, I'm, I'm a novice and a rookie and you make a lot of mistakes. Mm. And so I uh, had to go back with a lot of corrections and that's what added more time in order to get the book out and completed. Mm. Well, congratulations on this being your first book out there. How did it feel when you got that first physical copy in your hands? Yeah, that came a little unsurprising. I, I got a box with 20 books in it, and that was pretty exciting. My wife took a picture of me opening the box <laughs> and uh, something that I've never thought I would do. Hmm. And I've always been an avid reader and have high esteem for those who can write books that really challenge your thinking and give you different. I've always been learning things from the books I read, and it's important to me. So uh, I felt like maybe I'm part of that group a little bit. Hmm. Have you given any consideration to writing more and having more books published in the future? Yes, I have. In fact, I'm working on another book that I kind of sense is a follow-up to this book. Hmm and take it a little bit further. And it's, uh, it's about the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, and how we can apply some of the notions that I forward in this book, especially the idea of the partnership relationship we can have with God, and apply that to as, we, as we develop and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned in that verse. Hmm. Certainly, readers will be able to go deeper in their relationship with God in this book, and I encourage them to check this out. It's called Going Deeper with God, Addressing Challenging Issues in Our Relationship with God. It's written by Douglas L. Mead, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your reading material at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Doug, thanks again for coming on the show here. I had a really great time learning about the book and chatting with you tonight. Thank you, Corey. Children will get a kick out of the next book that we're talking about here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. It's called Fly, Eli, A Little Fly Goes a Long Way. It's written by Diane Schwenk, and Diane is joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Diane, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Can you tell me about Fly, Eli? I love the story for children where the fly is the main character. Well, Fly, Eli is about a charming and precocious little fly. And he always seems to get into trouble. He's always thinking about food, and his empty stomach takes him on some really exciting and sometimes scary places. His misadventures, I think, start when he gets trapped in a picnic basket, and then he winds up far away from home. His urge to explore the world has some really comical twists and turns. Along the way, he experiences amazing sights and sounds. And all during the book, he's just trying to find his way home. So. <laughs> What ages of children would you think would really be interested in this? Well, I think any young child would enjoy the book. If it's a tiny little kid from parents reading to their toddlers or to younger readers who like books with a little humor and adventure. And the title kind of, to me, has a double meaning, too, because, of course, the fly's name is Eli. But on another sense, it's about a child's first adventure away from home mm -hmm. and watching them spread their wings and experience the world on their own without their parents around, you know. Hmm. 
It's a really creative story. Where did the idea for this come from? The idea came when I was actually a child myself. My parents, you know, I was the youngest of five kids. Invariably, I'd be in the backseat of the car riding along to going to church or a store. So I remember sitting in the back of the family station wagon and worrying about flies because they would inadvertently get trapped in the car. And then we'd go off to the store or whatever. And I remember thinking, even as a little kid, gosh, I wonder what this poor little fly is going to do when we get where we're going. Mm. He won't know where he is. He won't know how to get back home to his family. And sure enough, once the doors open on the car, the fly flies out, disappears into a whole new world. And the thought of that fly, even as a little kid, never seeing his family again was really troubling to me, kind of. And I don't know why, it just stuck with me. And all these years later, those childhood memories helped me create Eli. Mm. Have you ever done this kind of thing before? Have you ever written or have you ever published? I've actually done a lot of writing in my life because I'm in the marketing. So I've done a lot of commercial writing, like printed pieces and radio, even radio commercials and TV commercials, even technical writing for certain technical clients or medical clients, that type of thing. But this is really my first kid's book. Illustrations are a huge part of it. What was that process like for you? Well, that's actually a good point because... I think that's one of the reasons it took so long for me to publish the book, because actually I started the book in like 1996, believe it or not. That was my first draft. Over the years, I've changed a lot and added to it. But one of the big stumbling blocks was always who's going to illustrate the book for me, because in the marketing business, I knew some artists. And from time to time, I would say, hey, I've got this character named Eli. Would you be interested in trying to make a prototype for me? And never really kind of got off the ground with anybody. So it just kind of sat there for a long time. So, of course, I started, you know, seeing things about Christian faith publishing. And I thought, you know, they talked about providing illustrations. And so it was really great that I got to work with the publisher because I had I had Eli in my mind for the longest time about what he should look like. Mm. But communicating that to an artist was kind of hard. The very first draft I saw, he looked more like something in a raid commercial instead (laughs) of cute and cuddly. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's not quite where I want to be. But I wanted him to be cute and cuddly and adorable and kind of like charismatic. So working with the artist then at the publishing company, I was able to get very, very close to what I was envisioning in my mind. So I think he's really cute. Mm. What did it feel like when you got that first copy of this book in your hands? Well, I thought that I finally did it because it took so long. It just took so long developing, and Mm. it was really kind of a sense of accomplishment of something that I put on hold for so long. So it was really, really a fun day for me when I got that box full of books. So, Mm. What are the chances you'll be putting more kids' books out there? Well, I think pretty good because I've got a I've got another book in mind and it's kind of in a rough draft at this moment, but I kind of know the story, but filling in all the fun details is what I need to do. So, hmm. Have you given any thought to bringing Eli back, having a sequel maybe to this one? Actually, that's what this is. It's Eli on a, a second little adventure, and this time he's going to be doing a good deed for somebody. Yeah, it sounds like a book that kids and parents alike will both enjoy. And I encourage our listeners to check this out. It's called Fly, Eli, A Little Fly Goes a Long Way, written by Diane Schwenk and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you get your reading material on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookstore. 
Well, Diane, thanks again for joining me here. Thank you for writing this wonderful book. I had a nice time chatting with you tonight. Thank you very much. I'm joined now by author Adam Wood. He's just written a book about something a lot of us don't hear about or think about often, but it is very significant. Adam, thank you for being here with me tonight. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Your new book is called Our Premie Adventure. Can you tell us all about it? Yes. Our Premie Adventure is a humorous and heartwarming look at life in the NICU for families that have premature children. So it talks about the journey that parents and children go through as they work towards going home. But it's seen through more of a humorous and fun lens to help make the journey seem a little less scary. As many parents that are currently or have been in the NICU, they're going through a very traumatic experience. So this is a way to help transform that experience into something very positive that they can look forward to and help showcase their journey. Mm. So you would say this is a book then that parents would get the most out of? The book would really benefit both parents and children. We've already had a lot of responses from parents and children who have read the book, children that are currently in these situations in the NICUs and hospitals and being read the book, and also children that have been out of the NICU for a number of years. And this book really allows the children to see the experiences that they went through, their journey being very unique and very different. But at the same time, being able to see it through a very fun and positive lens with colorful illustrations and just kind of see it for, from a different light. And for me, it also allows parents to be able to relive that journey, be able to look back at the positives, the milestones, the things that they celebrated as they worked towards bringing their child home. Because for many parents, their journey may be a few days or it could be over a year mm. where they're in the hospital with their children. So this book is really a celebration of all those achievements that many parents kind of look at and think, okay, this is just, this is an everyday thing. It's your first outfit or your first bath. But for families that are in the NICU, that are in the hospital with their children that are born premature, they could be weeks or months before they get a chance to actually wear their first outfit or mm. get a chance to have a bath or get a chance to even be held by their parents. So these milestones are really celebrations and that's what the book's really all about. About. Was there something in particular that inspired you to write the book and to tell this story to the world? It was inspired by our journey. Our son Brady was born on May 25th, 2018 at 25 weeks, weighing just one pound, four ounces. Wow. We were very surprised by that. Obviously a very unique journey. And we wanted to show, I wanted to showcase our journey and the journey of so many people because it's estimated that one in nine families will be born or children will be born premature at some point. And for about thirty to 40,000 each year, they are in the same category as our son, who was born as a micropremie. So he was below two pounds. So this journey definitely in this book helps celebrate that and showcases what he overcame and what children every single day are overcoming. The miracles that they are being able to overcome adversity, to be able to grow, develop. And to witness really a truly a miracle of their parents being able to see that. So I wanted to take this journey that we went through, a very difficult journey. We spent 135 days in the NICU and we spent the last three years really secluded because of not only COVID, but our son's existing conditions. I and mean, he went home on oxygen and a variety of medications. And a lot of families are in very similar situations and in many cases, worse situations. And they're going through quite a bit. They're going through a lot of trauma a lot of experiences each day that are very unique to there and they feel really alone. 
And this book really wanted is something that I was inspired to write because my son had such a great turnaround, had such a great story. And I wanted it to be something that a parent could pick up that's in that same position we were a few years ago and trying to look ahead and say, is there going to be a happy ending? What do I have to look forward to? And I wanted the book to be something that they can look at and say, you know, there's another family that went through something very similar or the exact situation and there's hope. And I hope that that book brings it to them. Mm. It's called Our Premie Adventure. Written by Adam Wood, published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere you shop for your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Adam, thanks again for sharing this story with the world. I'm sure you're going to help out an awful lot of people. It was really nice chatting tonight. Thank you so much. I appreciate having me on. I'd like to welcome to the show author Barbara Lynch. Barbara, thank you for joining me here tonight. Thank you. Great opportunity. You have a new book out right now. It's called Joey's Free Fall. Can you tell me all about it? Well, I have been a children's pastor for over 40 years and teaching Bible verses. Different stories have been brought up and I've taken it to the next step and created a story around it, emphasizing the Bible verse. So about how long were you working on this? This particular story I have told over the years, probably 10, 15 years, and then decided to get it published because it was always well-received to my audiences. I've also been a missionary, and I've shared these stories across the world Hmm. through translation and or acting it out, and it's always been well-received. Wow. So what's your writing background like? Have you ever done this kind of thing before? This actually is my third children's book. My first one, a girlfriend illustrated it for me, and I self-published two other books. So this is my third children's book. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you have plans for more after this? Yes, I do. My next one is Henry's Secret Recipes, and that came about visiting a missionary family in Peru with a little boy, Henry, sitting across from me making all kinds of concoctions with his food that looked absolutely gross, but he insisted I taste it, and much to my surprise, it tasted good. (laughs) What sorts of readers do you think this is best suited for? Parents of young children, children's church. I'm a grandmother, so I've read it to my grandchildren, Mm. so it's it's got a good story. Children's books, part of what's so important to them are the illustrations. Mm -hmm. What was that process like for you when you write these books, getting your words translated visually? Well, it's always difficult for me because my characters have been in my head and my heart for a long time. And then to try to get that image across to the artist is sometimes hard. Mm. And I have to get to a point where I just have to accept their vision. And sometimes it's not totally what I've visioned in my head over the years. But so far, I've been happy with the outcome. Is writing an easy thing for you, especially these kinds of books? Or does it take you a little bit longer? Once I have the story, I can sit down and it flows. But it does churn in my spirit for a while which I like because I get to develop the story, Hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. What sorts of feelings do you get whenever you get your first copy in your hands after working on it for so long? 
It's exciting to see my vision take flight and then to actually hold it. But more satisfying is giving the book to a child Mm. and having the parent or the grandparent read it. And then they send me a picture of the child holding the book and how they were touched by it. Do you have any words of advice for aspiring authors, people who have a message, maybe have a story to tell and need the world to hear it? To stop procrastinating. It's not a stupid idea. And to write it down and just do it. It's fantastic advice. (laughs) Writing isn't always easy. It can be tough and it can be kind of lonely sometimes. It's often easier if you have people who know that you're taking this on and they can be there to support you and encourage you, motivate you along the way. Did you have people like that in your life? Yes, especially when I'm telling the story in children's church or when I'm out in the mission field and I'm sharing these stories to children with adults in the room, it Mm. always is so touching to see an adult lean in and get caught up with my characters. Oftentimes when you're driven to write, it also means you're an avid reader. Would that describe you? Yes, I like to read. Uh Uh-huh. What sorts of things do you read to keep yourself motivated or encouraged? I'm always in an inspirational devotional book and or I love a good mystery. I have some favorite authors and yeah, I'm always, I always have a book I'm reading. The name of the book is Joey's Freefall, written by Barbara Lynch. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookstore too. Barbara, thank you again for stopping by the show tonight. Thank you for writing this book. I had a really nice time chatting. You're welcome. It's been a privilege. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.